Feels good to be back here with you. Welcome to Texture. I'm Josh Gaines. This is Michelle. Today, let me tell you what we're going to talk about. Work, everybody. Work, careers, jobs, success. And boy, that's a large topic with many facets. And I hope that some of what we touch on, what I touch on today, applies to you and is helpful. And the reason, sort of the impetus behind wanting to do a show about this in particular, and granted it is limited because it's based only on my personal experience and that of friends and just what I observe in the world, but I I get the sense that a lot of people, maybe millennials in particular, but, but maybe broader than that, are struggling with their jobs or struggling to find a job or struggling with um, being in a job and trying to get a better one and uh, all the things that go into that sort of emotionally and mentally. And it's just, you know, it's a, like I said, broad, it's big and it's kind of a messy, broken system and I'm not trying to come at it from that sort of angle of, of here's how we fix this, but more zeroing in on the person, on you, if you are in the, <laughs> in the workforce, so to speak. And, you know, if you're not, if you are a stay-at-home mom or a, I don't know, in, in whatever life scenario otherwise to where you don't have to get a job, cool good for you. (laughs) Not that being a mother isn't a full-time job or just being a, 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 a person who stays at home all day. Anyway, boy, messy, right? See, I'm like, I'm getting caught up in semantics right there that I'm like, Ooh, don't, don't, don't offend the, the moms. I, I don't, I don't mean anything by that. I'm just saying like, I don't know what else to say. If you're at stay at home, mom, that's a full time job for sure. Kids, in a lot of ways, you probably have a harder job than your husband does, okay? I'm on your side. <laughs> and I'm on the side of the husbands because uh, I have a wife and I have one child and she's plenty of a handful. So anyway, uh, today I'm going to start with a quote from a book called I Don't Want to Talk About It. And this book was written uh, over 20 years ago, I believe 1994 by an author named Terence Real or Real, I'm not sure how he, I'm just going to go with the easy pronunciation. Anyway, and the, this book is, is centered around men's experience. The subtitle is, um, as I'm grabbing it, uh, the subtitle is Overcoming the Secret Legacy of Male Depression. And I know that sounds like oh God, what are we stepping into here? But just hang with me for a minute. And the sort of the the drive behind this book, and this was a book my counselor recommended that I read several months ago as, as sort of part of our process. And he just thought this would be helpful to me. And it absolutely was. Um, 
which is just the idea that basically most men in Western culture have been brought up in a certain way that discourages vulnerability and discourages a show of emotion and also has this sort of built-in um, very macho, tough guy, you know, you get out there and you fucking fight and you take what's yours and and you win at life, at at careers, at, at gaining women, you know, you you have to get out there and like take life by the balls, essentially. And and what he is saying is, hey, listen, obviously this system this this whole thing about like guys need to be tough and how you know god forbid they ever cry or something god forbid they ever show tenderness or gentleness this has led to a lot of things you know generations of fathers not being kind or affectionate to their sons and instead bringing this up bringing them up in this sort of um just bold like i'm going to whip you into shape sort of thing so that you can go out there and be tough and and you know now he's he's not saying he's not trying to propose a sort of setup that is the opposite of that necessarily or that men can't be strong in a way that is healthy and not damaging to their families or damaging to those around us uh, around them or damaging to our society as a whole because of these ideas that are all mixed in so anyway it's just it's just saying men in particular in the west have been mostly, you know, the majority brought up in this way, and that this is very much the reason for, um, you know, greed in the business world, like sleazy behind-the-scenes practices to cut others down and gain wealth for oneself. He's saying this is hugely tied to addiction uh, with alcohol and drugs and substances, that this is hugely tied to domestic abuse abuse and violence. And, um, so anyway, this book is fascinating and, and it's, it approaches things in such a way that is respectful of, um, I think, I think if a, uh, I mean, a quote unquote tough guy read this, um, he might start out being like, this is a book for pussies. Like, you know, just dismissing it all together, but then starting to resonate with these ideas of like, oh man, I'm, really hurt actually you know if a if a this imaginary tough guy could come to admit that so anyway that was a long description but that's that's sort of where i'm going here and this won't be centered only on men's experience but obviously i'm a guy this is what i've gone through and and this is what i took from this book but i hope that as i start talking about jobs and careers that that is relatable to anyone Okay, here we go. So here's a couple lines from this book called I Don't Want to Talk About It. Quote, power is not the driving force here. Belonging is. The problem for many boys and men lies in the paradox that one must dominate in order to belong. Boys and men are granted privilege and special status, but only on the condition that they turn their backs on vulnerability and connection to join in the fray. Those who resist, like unconventional men or gay men, are punished for it. If a man is not a winner, 
he is a loser. And the cost of losing is more than just the game at hand. It is abandonment. I'm going to repeat that last bit just because I think it's particularly profound. If, if a man is not a winner, he is a loser. And the cost of losing is more than just the game at hand. It is abandonment. So the way that this, this book goes on to talk about how that integrates into work, into jobs and the, and the things that men seek, um, is just the realization over time as one grows up through school, through getting work, through perhaps, you know, climbing the corporate ladder to use that cliche of just a lot of men are cutthroat and they're assholes and they're in it for them. They don't give a fuck about you. And if you get in your, their way, you're, you're done. Like you're out. Um, some of you have perhaps experienced a, a workplace of this sort, you know, what he is saying is sort of the, the, I mean, if you roll it way back just through generations, through experience, through history, that the, sort of the root of the reason that men have acted this way and have fa- found the need, you know, the perceived need to act this way is because they are scared to death of being abandoned, of not belonging. You know, that that line about if you're not a winner in the in the business world or even just as a man in life, if you're not considered this ambiguous term of a, of a winner, if you don't have the possessions or the status or the home or wife or belongings to sort of prove outwardly to the world that I belong here, I came in, I kicked ass, here's my stuff to prove it, that if, if not all of that, then you're automatically on the loser side. And that word in and of itself and I don't know if this is true for other cultures. I, I only know it is definitely true in, in America, at least. Uh, the term a loser, you know, I know that I know that can be kind of a jokey word, like kind of a funny word that you just like, anyway, that gets thrown around in high school or, or whatever. And, it, you know, it, it can be funny, but but it is a it's categorizing someone and just saying you're out whatever this thing is that we have, the group over here, the fray, um, you're out of it because you're a loser. And even if that is not fundamentally true about that person's life who's being called a loser, that shit stings. You know, especially if you have grown up in a scenario where you hear that over and over, if you were bullied, if you're still being bullied and being told by loud and prominent and harsh voices, you're a loser. You don't belong here. We don't like you. You have no value. I just, I can't express how crushing that is. And it takes, it takes a lot of growth and maturity and awareness to even combat that uh, not not in person with an argument, but just internally, mentally going, no, I know that is not true. And the reason I'm being called a loser is false and made up. That's a facade. 
that's built on nothing, that's built on air. And the person most likely, most of the time, who's being, who's doing the attacking in that sense, they are so deeply insecure, so unsure of themselves. They, they themselves are worried about falling out of the fray, you know, falling out of the, the fold or their little pack or their little group. I mean, um, they're scared to death. And the way that they maintain their status is by cutting down other people, you know? And just the, the image that so clearly comes to mind for me it is boys in high school or middle school, probably more, more commonly middle school, because that is just a volatile time. You know, jokes could be made about um, hormones and, and puberty and all that, but it's, that's, that's a tumultuous period. And just, just to be alive and just to understand, just to understand what's happening in your body what's happening in your brain. You, you start becoming a little more self-aware, I think, most of us. You start being introduced to more adult things. Um, I'm not even talking about pornography, although that's probably an element, but just all that to say, that's a, that's a challenging time already. So if in those formative years, if you're having a high school experience or a, or a middle school experience where you don't have one, the self-awareness or the maturity to, to combat those thoughts in your own head. And if you don't have a support structure around you of just even one other friend or a parent, a, a parent who can sort of talk you out of those things and just reaffirm you, which I know many, many of you did not have those parents. You maybe didn't have those friends either. And you were, you heard those things, you were called a loser or you were cut down or bullied or even physically hurt. And, and you were never affirmed or told that you were safe, told that, the, that this moment will not last forever. Um, not told that you are loved and you're beautiful and you're, and you're valuable, you know, and without any of those things, I mean, that seeps into our system so firmly in a way that we start to protect ourselves from that happening again, because it is so painful. It's so confusing. And we start to believe it, you know, we really start to believe it. I, I, oh, I, I guess I am a fucking loser. I guess, I guess if I don't fit in and if I don't have friends and if uh, I haven't accomplished anything cool and like I'm not even that good at sports or not good at, at schoolwork, I mean, yeah, they're right. And it's just like that narrative right there. I mean, of course kids are going to be taking their own lives in these young years, you know, because of shit like that. So um, anyway, I know we're leading towards this trajectory about work itself and how I think all of this experience is is tied up with um, insecurities later in life and fear and um, being timid in adulthood and and how the on the flip side on the negative side just how that sort of um, the bullying I, I don't mean to keep using that word I just can't think of a better one how that, how that is built into the men who are often in control and, and it can be women too, of course. So, well, I guess I'll start with this by saying that 
if you are in a job and if you have ever had or have right now that feeling of deep insecurity, of deep even pain and frustration and anger at yourself that you feel like a loser in that position, I want to tell you that you're not. You're not. You're not. You're not a loser. You are not a failure. You have a job. <laughs> like that's, that's an accomplishment. That is an accomplishment in and of itself to have one. So many people don't for various reasons. And just the things that our society has told you or that you've, you know, absorbed over the years about what, what a good career looks like or how, how so much of our identity supposedly needs to be tied into the place that we go to make money to, to continue to live. That is just such a lie and such bullshit. It's just so completely false and so petty. And yet it's all around us. I mean, with these sort of, you know, I'm not, I'm not criticizing companies, but there are high profile companies where you are automatically considered cool, basically, if you work there, you know, Facebook or Google or Instagram or whatever. And those companies are fine. They're doing cool things. But, you know, that that is no human being's identity, or it shouldn't be. Obviously, it is for a lot of people that 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 is the place where they get all of their worth. And, you know, all you have to do is think about for a second, okay, what if that goes away? And very often it does. Every day it does, whether you get fired or they, you know, downsize or whatever. Anyway, all that to say, just if you have a job and you felt that, if you felt that, that sort of tug in your heart or that discouragement of just like, man, I'm a, I'm a loser for being here. I'm a loser for having been at this company so long and not like taking action to get myself out of it. I'm, I'm a loser because I don't step up more. I'm a loser because I'm, I'm perhaps low ranking or, or, you know, I, I don't care if you work in a, in wall street, in a skyscraper, or if you work at McDonald's or you're a garbage man or a mailman or a waitress or a bartender, you are not a loser. And anything in this world that tells you that you are, or that even doesn't directly say that, but makes you feel that, please know that is a lie. And that <laughs> the consciousness that is walking around in your meat puppet of a body has nothing to do with your job. <laughs> uh, I'm laughing because it's just so funny. It's funny the the sort of... Anyway, the importance we give to it. And obviously, obviously, I know jobs are important. And I'm not at all saying that you shouldn't try hard or that you can't strive for something better and that that, that can also be good. I just want you to start off like starting line with the confidence that where you are, even if your job sucks, even if you hate it every day and you dread going in, where you are can be good. It can't, there can be life there. There can be positive influence that you can have. 
And whatever you're doing, you can be the best one of those that there is, even if that is a hamburger flipper. I know that sounds like I'm making a joke. I'm not. No matter what position you're in, you can you can and, and should strive to be the best one of those that there is. <laughs> and not, I'm not saying best in the way that you tear the people down and like, you know, do the cutthroat thing I was just talking about. But no, you have your position so you do it well out of, out of pride and just discipline and, and a gratefulness to be there. You know, so much of our content, contentment in our workplace can come from just the mindset that you have while you're there. And um, I know that there are so many difficult outside elements. The biggest one's people. People are a fucking drag, but they, but they can also be fantastic, obviously. Like any any job ever, you're going to deal with people that drive you nuts and and who are outright horrible to you, perhaps. And you're going to deal with hopefully like some great people that you can go get a beer with and like bitch about it later. You know, that's fine. But um, yes, I just think the mindset is so important and because it is so easy to complain. It's so easy to just see the negative parts. It's so easy to just think about, ah, I could be so many better places or knowing in your heart and soul to the core of your being that you're capable of more. And you probably are. And that's fine and good. And, and going, you know, I, if, if someone would give me a chance or if I could just get into that place, such and such a place, like then then I would be doing what I love, or then I would have arrived, or then I would be making enough money to really make ends meet. I I am so well acquainted with all of those thoughts and desires, and I know how they can absolutely eat away at your soul sometimes, you know, when it has been a long shift or a long day, and you just feel like you're... Um, I mean, frankly, it can feel like you're wasting your life. It can feel like the minutes of your life are ticking past. And um, I understand that sensation. And it's always it's always fine to look elsewhere. But I just just don't get caught in the trap of somewhere somewhere else is going to fix these sort of internal difficulties that I'm having because it won't. You know, even the most prime job I. You may know this, this may be very obvious to you, um, or maybe it isn't, but just, it's never, it's, it's never the grass is greener. There might be certain elements that make things better. Like, yeah, you might make more money. You might be doing the thing that is most ideal to your skill set. Radical. Uh, but work should, in all honesty, like it should be kind of difficult. It is work. It is an occupation. There, there's going to be resistance. There's going to be tension. There's going to be difficulty. And I don't know, the sooner that you can just sort of become one with that and just recognize, hey man, this is the gig. Um, I don't mean literally that job. I just mean the nature of work is that it is going to suck sometimes hopefully not always. I, I do hope that there is, that there are moments of um, just clarity and pride of feeling, feeling like you have done good work. You've done it well. You have earned your keep. 
so to speak. Um, but yeah, it, it can't ever be just that. And if you look around, you probably see the people who are trying to do that very thing. And I mean, they frankly are probably miserable. I don't know. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're great. Maybe I'm full of shit. I don't know. <laughs> so, but be sure of that. Remember that you're not a loser and remember that no job is going to fulfill all of your deep desires. Because I, I think that every job can be honorable. I really do mean that. It doesn't mean outside sources, other people are going to acknowledge it or confirm it or, or affirm it as honorable. Um, and our society certainly won't. If it's, if it's something that's considered uh, lower on the tier of their ambiguous, fake importance. Um, but they can all be honorable. And they can be done with pride and respect. And there are things, I, I think, in every position, in every career that, uh, that you can be thankful for and grateful for and just recognize, uh, yeah, all these things suck, but this is this is good. And that's really important. Okay. I'm going to switch gears a little bit and talk about this idea of a calling. And I, I don't know if that word is used outside of Christian circles. I, I grew up in churches. I grew up around a lot of Christians and often heard this term calling thrown out. And I, you know, so if you're, (laughs) Uh, don't hold to any faith or if that word, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it just means like a, I don't know, like a destiny or like something that you were made to do. And, um, you know, the, the Christian world can sort of often tie that to like, what are you doing for the gospel or what are you doing for Jesus or how are you using your life? And that that's fine. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, calling in the sense of, um, this idea that there is one job in the world that you are perfectly suited for, that uh, that you would be the best at, or or that just you'd be right in the perfect groove, like you are the puzzle piece that finishes the picture, okay? I think you guys get the picture. <laughs> so maybe I should stop describing it. But um, so millennials in particular, or... It's, it seems to me today, in this day and age, in 2018, that this idea of I have to glean meaning from my work, I have to glean like great purpose from my work, and um, I, that seems to be very prominent w- with people my age, because frankly, the, uh, a good deal of people I have known are constantly jumping around jobs like every two years or every six months or, and, uh, you know, I've been out of high school for 10 years now, a little more than that actually. And, um, a friend, my friend Nate just gave me the insight and the the great encouragement of just, listen, dude, most people your age have been in, uh, you know, five or six different jobs by this point in their life. You've been in two and he wasn't trying to bolster me up or, or boost my ego or something because I, I felt a lot of shame and discouragement in previous times for having been in the same company for that long and not sort of breaking free, so to speak. Um, but he was just like, no, that's good because there is um, 
not so much a loyalty there, but just a, a commitment. There's a discipline and that it takes, it takes a certain amount of discipline to stay somewhere, you know, because I, I would imagine that the folks who jump around all the time, they're jumping because they're looking for something, you know, they're jumping because they, they get excited about the new prospect of a new position or new company. And it often seems in those early days of new employment of like, oh, everything's better here. Yeah, this is more my skill set. These benefits are better. The pay is better, whatever it may be. And even that, of course, always the newness will never stay new. That becomes commonplace. You get to know the people you work with. You realize some of them drive you up the wall. And then in a year and a half, you're discontent again, and you're looking on job sites and you're, you're poking around and you're ready to move on. And that can be a daunting place to be in because, I mean, like I just said, nowhere is ever going to be the place. And I think, I, I do think there is a trend. It's not, it's not universal. It's not across the board that everyone does this, but there is this, um, in in millennials in particular, there's just this writhing discontent where they always think they're in the wrong thing. And it's, it's always gotta be the next one that looks better. And, and, you know, maybe that's been going on for a long time. It probably has to some degree, but, uh, I, I do think with, with social media and with the internet, we see, we physically see in front of our eyes, these success stories or these hip, flashy, slick, artsy companies that just make it seem like a a uh, like a utopia to work there, you know? Free food everywhere. Look at these hip offices. Like, we don't have hours. You just have a laptop and you sit on some chair that looks like a hand. And like, hey, how about an omelet? You, you know, I know I'm being ridiculous, but these companies exist where it's just like, whoa, breaking the boundaries of what the office place can be. And some of that is rad and great. And I'm sure, you know, that can be fun, but it's just like when we see that, and if you work in, in food service or if you work in a cubicle, then yeah, that looks like heaven over there. All that freedom. Oh man, look at these perks, you know, and we just start idolizing and being like, oh, if I was just there, if I was just over there, then I'd be killing it. Then I'd be so stoked about life. I would never be discouraged. Like I would love my job every day, you know, and that just, that just isn't going to be true, you know? So there's this weird, careful balance of embracing the difficulty, embracing the tension and never, I, I don't think you're ever stuck somewhere. I don't think you're ever truly to, to where you have to stay in a job. Of course, there is always freedom. There's always room to, to move on. And in many, many cases, for many reasons, it is, it is advantageous and good, you know, growth of, of your life or, or the money that you're making, or just, you know, taking better care of your family or whatever it may be, that can all be good. I'm not, I'm not discouraging that at all. Um, but just this idea of calling, you know, where someone is convinced that just they are a graphic designer and 
in the way that I've heard people talk about it, especially folks younger than me, early twenties, um, there's just, they're, they're just convinced in their head that like, this is what I am, man. And like, I just, I've got this idea of a perfect company and, you know, like I've shopped around for companies, but I would just need a job to be the most perfect scenario. And it's, I, I just hear a, a decent amount of immaturity in that and, uh, a decent amount of all the ducks have to be in a row for this company to get the privilege of having me on board. I don't know. And this idea of a, of a calling, while it may be true, while those talents may exist, um, gosh, I don't, I just don't think it's as grandiose as it is often made out to be, you know, like it is this epic, um, world changing talent that is worthy of praise and attention and, you know, just broad notoriety. And, uh, it just seems like those cases are very few and far between, even though it's easy to idolize them. It's easy to, to see the stories and read about the success stories of, of guys like Mark Zuckerberg or whatever it may be. Um, that's just, those, those are always going to be the minority, those sort of tales, you know. And uh, I, I tend to think that while callings or uh, let's just call it gifting, you know, like what, what are you good at? It's as simple as that. What's your skill set or what are you, what do you really enjoy doing that you're truly good at and you glean joy from it and an accomplishment. And, um, you know, it does not have to be something in the arts at all. Some dudes are stoked about accounting, you know, which is like the joke of a, of a classic boring job. But, um, some guys love moving numbers around and like being really good at that, you know, that in it, in and of itself is in this umbrella sort of, uh, that's a calling, that's a gifting, that's a skill set. And I tend to think that our, each of our gifts, each of our skill sets, they end up playing out in the course of life in really small, everyday ways that are still valuable. They're still significant, but um, are we even going to be recognized by others for those things, for our good work or talent or, or uniqueness? I mean, maybe. Hopefully sometimes, hopefully that's not uh, never there, but you know, I just think it's not, it's not this big grand thing, you know, where you have some large following or, or you're, you're just, um, your success is very prominently known. You know, I just don't, I don't think that happens too much. And it's, Again, it's just easy, at least for me, to look at that and, and think that that is something to strive for. Sure, it's fine to strive for it, but that's not, again, that's not ever going to satisfy your deepest longings or wants. It just, it just isn't. I just think any sort of worldly glory, so to speak, any sort of praise or affirmation or success, it's all going to be temporary. And I'm, I'm not saying nothing means anything. I'm not, I'm not nihilist 
at all. I just mean that that feeling, that sensation of pride and and glory and and success. That's that's gonna flicker out, and I think we've seen the people who have tried to hold on to that, who have tried to cling to past accomplishments, or have tried to maybe in older years they're they're constantly referring back to like the great things that they did. And I mean, frankly, it, it just, it becomes kind of sad if, if that is all that person has left to cling to. Um, and this is a careful thing because obviously there's nothing wrong with being proud of accomplishments. There's nothing wrong with celebrating good work, you know, in, in whatever facet that may be. I think here's a, here's an example well, yeah, I think about some of these actresses today, specifically female actors who are, you know, maybe early 20s, maybe even a little younger. And these these few girls who are perhaps, you know, really gorgeous and they start getting roles in movies at a very young age and they just rock it to the top of, of awareness and success and notoriety and they're making money and everyone's you know constantly telling them you're beautiful you're so talented da 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 and um you know i think any any of us in that position would one start to believe our own hype but uh and and be convinced of that and and sort of you know you can see how these egos may grow but also the fact that just their their beauty, their their bodies, and you know who they are now—that's that's never gonna last. You know, perhaps you've seen you know women who are are aging, and that in and of itself—it's like who who can escape it? We're all these bodies break down, and we start to change and look different. And you know, it could be argued that like the the sort of standard of a, a beautiful woman purely in a physical sense, that's, that's going to go away. You know, that woman's glory, so to speak in, in that view is going to fade. And that's just part of life. And I think we've seen, um, the women and, and perhaps I shouldn't narrow it down only to women, but just these people who they were once gorgeous and attractive and handsome and uh, they try to cling to that youth. They try to cling to it with, you know, plastic surgery and and like a, a rigorous diet to try and stay thin, and getting their teeth artificially whitened. And listen, I know I know this is an extreme example, and that maybe you don't resonate with this at all. But I just mean um, the sadness comes from not just admitting the the aging not just admitting that you were once this and that was good but now you're this and that that old version is gone and you can't really get it back and i don't think that has to be sad at all one because none of us escapes it you know that is going to happen to all of us even though when you're young you feel invincible and like this is not ever going to end it's not ever going to change how your body is and how it works and how you look good and whatever. Um, anyway, all that to say, I think that also applies to the, this idea of just identity being tied to careers. You might be a dope 
graphic artist or an amazing, um, whatever it may be, you know, you, you might be great at stock market stuff. I could, it's funny. I can't think of a great diversity of jobs at the moment, despite talking about all this, but I just mean, we're all going to get old. Our minds are maybe going to slow down. Our bodies are going to slow down. And, you know, presumably we're all going to retire at some point and just, you know, the young us, the things we accomplished or the things we did, that is great. And that mattered for that time, but to hold on to it is not going to work. And that is going to perpetuate just this sense of loss and sadness and, um, you know, fear probably. And I, I'm 30. I don't know what it's like to be in a 65 year old body, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll listen to this and think I'm full of shit here and now, but, um, you know, nothing lasts. That's, that's just the truth of it. And I don't think that has to be sad. I don't think that has to be nihilistic. I think things matter here and now for the people around us, for our family, for the people that we're with and who, what we do with this time and who we take care of and how we interact with the world, all this matters. You know, this is good. And if you're talented artistically or otherwise, then yeah, you should use it. You should, you should flex it and practice it and, and grow in your discipline and be the best that you can. Um, but just, just realize it's, it's for now. It's for here and it's for now and it may not last forever. And that's all right because none of us are going to either. And uh, it's, it's really hard to see younger people coming up with that same skill, right? Just to use that same example, an aging actress, maybe a woman in her 70s now, who's still sort of kind of in the Hollywood circles. She's still getting roles, but now she can only play people's grandma. And that that's kind of its own thing, which is broken. But uh, can you imagine how discouraging it is to see some, you know, hot little thing who's 18 years old coming up and getting all this attention and, and just knowing that you used to have that? I mean, that's got to be discouraging unless, unless that woman that, unless you're a deeply just secure and aware and confident person who recognizes yeah, darling, little hot pants who's getting rolls. That's not going to last for you either, you know? So it all just kind of circles around. And, and um, I think the awareness of that is just helpful, you know, not in a fear of aging kind of way, but just like, yeah, it's for now. And it's great. And it's rad. And let's enjoy it for sure. So um, I hope that these ramblings have been useful to you. And I guess I should say just the reason that I felt compelled to talk about this in particular is because I struggled for years. I mean, I mentioned I've been in the same job for uh, about 11 years now, actually, pretty much straight out of high school. And it is the company that my dad worked for and works for still. And in some ways, in some ways, I took the path of least resistance. I, you know, I've always had, um, ambitions that were bigger, not, not really with a company, with another company or wanting to work somewhere else badly, but just wanting to basically be my own boss and, 
uh, either do music for a living. You know, I had the phase where I wanted to be a rock star essentially. And, um, had the phase where I wanted to be a writer, had the phase where I wanted to be a director and all of those still exist. And in my own ways, I'm working towards those things, but I've calmed down a whole, whole lot in the sense that, uh, I don't feel like a loser for being where I'm at and for having been there for 10 years and for essentially at, at the beginning, just taking sort of the easiest job that I could at the beginning straight out of high school so that I could have disposable income so that I could move out of my parents' house and pay for food and rent and, and college for a little bit and stuff. So I wanted to talk about work because I, I just, I spent so long, so many bad days and so many um, just tortured evenings feeling like I had failed because of the position that I was in feeling stupid for, you know, for, for being locked into a position, which I, I wasn't in truth, uh, feeling, you know, like a loser for being too afraid to go seek something else for feeling intimidated by the whole interview process. And, and even like, what do I put on my resume? How do I, how do you know, many of these things are not necessarily explained to us unless you have mentors in your life who do, but I just having grown out of the, that, uh, not, not grown out of it, having grown as a, as a person mentally and in my own security and confidence, just realizing how much that a lot of that turmoil was unnecessary and that I could have, like, if I could go back and talk to myself at 21, I would just be like, Josh, calm down, man. You're, you're fine. You really are fine. And like, look at this that you have and, and look at this facet of this job. This is good, man. And like embrace this. And, and these parts, I know they're freaking hard. I know they suck. I know they wear you down, but like in general, don't fret, <laughs> you know? And so I guess the hope behind all of this is just that if you're in that position or if you've had those moments that you just can lighten up a little bit and not beat yourself up because there's no value in that. There really isn't. It doesn't, that that's not a good motivation for change ever it, beating yourself up or thinking you're a piece of shit or thinking that you're lazy or you haven't accomplished enough. No way, dude. Are you kidding me? That's most of that is most of that is probably so made up in your own brain. You know, we're, we can tend to be like really mean to ourselves and it's helpful sometimes to imagine if someone else was coming to you with the same difficulties that you have in your own mind and what you would say to them instead, you know, um, I hope I didn't lose you there with that, with that description, but it's like if 21 year old me had been talking to me now of just like, ah, yeah, like, but this job's kind of lame and like, I don't make that much money. And I like, I know I'm really talented and I could be doing better. And like I just said, you know, it's like, dude, you're fine. You're good. And like, yeah, work for those things, strive for them, but also be okay. Realize that you are okay here and now, and don't, 
don't forget to enjoy the facets of now because some of these things will change and you will miss them, you know? Anyway, so just take heart, okay? Whatever position you're in, in life, in regards to work, just one like first step, if you beat yourself up, just be kinder, be more kind to yourself and realize you are okay. There is incredible freedom and there is possibility to change and to, to, you know, get out of your current scenario if, if that would be for the best. And just don't, don't feel like you have to put things off until everything aligns and everything feels right or some opportunity drops in your lap. Um, I think sometimes we just need the affirmation of like, hey, you, you can go do the thing you want to do when it comes to, to careers or, or just even dreams and, and, uh, sort of desires and things that you've always wanted to do. Like it might take some time. Yeah. It might take some saving or planning or some steps to get there. It might take six months or a couple of years, but just realize like you don't have to be afraid of that. You don't have to wait for the perfect thing to come about. Um, you can take those steps now. You have the freedom to do that. You have, you know, the gate is open. And I think a lot of the hindrances that we run into are usually just in our own minds, you know, and that there's almost always a solution if we are creative in how we approach it and don't just get shut down by it. So anyway, I feel like I'm a little off in the weeds here, but I hope, I hope that all makes sense. And you followed my through line. Um, that last thing I just said about, um, hindrances and and solutions that comes from a book. I'm going to, I'm not going to do any more quotes this show, but I just want to recommend a couple books in particular in, in thinking about these things that go very much along these trends. Um, that thing I just said comes from a book called 48 days to the work you love. 48 Days to the Work You Love by Dan Miller. And um, I mean, it's it was a pretty popular book for a while. I'm sure you could get it cheap, like a cheap used copy on Amazon for a couple bucks or even possibly at a, at a thrift store. I mean, it sold a lot of copies, so I've, I've seen it a handful of times. But that, that one in particular, I read uh, maybe two years ago. And it's helpful for those of you who just... Um, you do want to go to a different company, but you maybe have trouble getting there. Like you do get caught up on the, on the fear of interview process or fear about resume or cover letters or whatever. 48 days to the work you love is just very practical about steps, tangible steps that you can take that are very easy and not overwhelming to just like start getting some movement going, you know, start letting people know that you're searching for work or whatever it may be. So that, that one is sort of like, if you're in a place where you are ready to take action and you've been putting it off, uh, for fear or for whatever other reason, because life's too, you know, busy or, or whatever, um, that one can be really helpful. And it's even broken up into really short chunks, uh, really s- short sections and has like sort of a workbook portion. And I, I know, like, I hate books like that ordinarily. I really do. These sort of like self-help, 
best life now things. But this one, this one is not a gimmick. It's not like you're going to be a CEO in 48 days. It's, it's much more practical. So anyway, if that sounds appealing to you, grab uh, 48 Days to the Work You Love by Dan Miller. The other one, which is kind of from a different approach, is a book called Every Good Endeavor by Tim Keller. Every Good Endeavor by Timothy Keller. And so, listen, this one does have a an element of faith in it. It's sort of, it's more talking about how all of work is valuable and about how just, just getting yourself to thinking and how you view your job, how you view your work and sort of these, um, these sort of callings and gifting and, uh, legacy that you leave, so to speak. And, um, faith is integrated into that just because he's taking the approach of like our work can be for God or to the glory of God. But I would say like, if you, if you're not down, if you don't believe in God, if you're kind of on the fence about that or not normally into things regarding faith, I don't think you would be hugely offended by this book or hugely, uh, not offended, but irritated by it. Cause that is sort of just a side element that you can push aside if you want, or, or just don't pay attention to those parts and take, take the stuff about work. Cause these principles can still be applied, I think. And that one, that one was just very helpful to me in the way that I viewed my work and the way that I viewed myself in the midst of the workplace and just the, you know, sort of all this that I've been talking about of just, there is value in all of this. It can matter for now. You can have an impact, even if it's not enormous. So anyway, maybe check out those two books or one of them if those interest you. And hey, last note, last little word. Listen, this show costs money to make and I put it out for free. It doesn't cost a lot of money, but it costs some money um, for web hosting, putting it up online various updates to equipment. I have a, I have a laptop that's older than my marriage. Uh, so it's like nine years old. And, um, anyway, all that to say, if you like what I'm doing here, if you believe, or if you just like me, if you're like Josh Gaines, I'm down with what you're saying, please go to the website known as patreon.com slash texture pod patreon.com slash texture pod. And over there, here's what you can do. I'll tell you, you can pledge a small amount of money, $1, $5, that comes out once a month, $1 a month or five, and that just helps cover some of the cost of this show and helps me continue to do it, and it just relieves some of the financial burden of, of doing this. And uh, thank you to those of you who already are, because it's very helpful, and I'm I'm so genuinely grateful for each one of those, no matter the dollar amount, because just the fact that you believe in me enough or you like what I'm doing enough to to pay money for it is awesome. So thank you. And if you want to pledge, go to patreon.com slash texture pod. Oh boy, goodness sakes. What a, what a ring dinger of a show. Um, I didn't want to record tonight. I really didn't. It's it's almost nine o'clock, which, as a parent, um, as a parent of a child, that actually is late, or it does feel late, and sleep is precious. And it, but it's not so much that today kind of sucked, and often 
this can feel like a chore, even though I really love it when I'm doing it and I get into a groove, but just the idea of going out and talking about things that I maybe have no business talking about, it's, it's daunting. So anyway, thank you for listening to this. Thank you for being here with me. And man, I truly believe that these things are of value to you. I hope that they, that they cause growth or that they inspire you or encourage you. Um, I really mean that because I've just, I've had too many dark days in my life. I've had too many days when I felt alone and you just need to know that you're not alone. Okay. I'm in it with you. So thanks so much. See you next time.